Welcome to KPL Lit Talks. In today's podcast, it's all about community wellness. I'm Claudette Stockwell, the Library Director. I'm Kim Mather, Teen and Adult Services Librarian. And I'm Drew Tingley, the Tech Specialist. And we're so excited to have Kelsey Huss with us today. She's our special guest. She is the Community and Worksite Wellness Manager for United Services. She also wears another hat. She is the Coalition Coordinator for Killingly's Youth Substance Prison. Prevention. I can't even speak today. It's all good. It's <laughs> Welcome, <the> Kelsey. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. And I, I have to admit that we were asking her for her full title before we started, and it was a lot. So that's, that's definitely a lot that you've got going on there. That doesn't yeah. flow off the tongue too easy. It doesn't. It sounds very important. I don't think it's as important as it sounds, but I do some pretty cool stuff. And I um, met Kelsey, and I'm with her on this Youth Substance Prevention Coalition, and I'm learning so much about vaping, and I didn't realize quite how toxic it's even worse than real smoking is. I call it real smoking, the smoking cigarettes. So could could you you tell us us about that? Yeah. Oh, oh, vaping? We're going down the vaping route? We're going to go down vaping I'm like, what is it that you do? Yeah, I I just want (laughs) to hear everything. Yeah, yeah. Um, So I actually am learning a lot in this as well um, because originally I started off in the more mental health track and now I've uh, transitioned more into substance use uh, track and prevention. But vaping, it can be uh, toxic. Um, So we call it vaping but it's not really vapor it's aerosol and it's aerosol and it's full of heavy metals like nickel and cadmium um there's been formaldehyde in uh, vapes uh there's a long list and that's because they're not regulated well just as cigarettes are full of a variety of chemicals and it's supposed to be like even more dangerous than smoking regular cigarettes though because isn't it like i forget what the stats are of how much more addictive it is and how much more deadly it is to the body. So it's tricky. So um, the main thing in vaping that we're, well, the chemicals in itself are are concerning, but nicotine is in 99% of all vapes, even if they're not marketed as having nicotine. And the issue with that is some uh, young people don't realize that they're actually vaping nicotine. They think they're just vaping flavors. And you can get really sick if you're vaping too much nicotine, if you have too much of a high intake there. Um, and that's where things uh, get tricky. And then also uh, the risk of addiction at that point as well. Um, so I'm, I'm a bit younger than these two. and so Oh, my goodness. Um, it's a rough I, crowd today, people. I'm glad we're not saying ages here. I'm just saying. He's just a little baby boy. I'm just not sure if you're familiar with, um, like, the the weed pens Mm -hmm. that a lot of teens or young adults. I was not familiar with a weed pen. Right. So they're basically the same thing as vaping nicotine or the flavors, but instead it has a marijuana, like, oil or Hmm. um, liquid. And does it have, like, a flavor like the the vaping does? Um, so I'm not as familiar with the THC, um, vaping. Well, it depends because you can also vape it in different forms. Like you were just saying, um, I think on that end, it's not. So with vaping, the flavors are what's really appealing, but then with the THC one, of course, it's the feeling that you get, it's the high from it that, Mm -hmm. that draws people into that again, having to be cautious because the amount of THC to CBD that's being taken in is really concerning. And then evali, that lung illness that we 
um, was in the news 2019, affecting um, people's lungs. And even lung transplants happened for young people wow. because of that. So, so what is that and what causes that? Is it the, the fact, is it like the metal that is in the vapes themselves? Because I know like vapes have like heating elements and, or is it the, the actual, I guess, component that you're smoking? Um, so there is, it's kind of both things. So one is with vapes, you're right. There is that heating element and there's metal coils inside and that can actually seep into what is being vaped as it's getting heated. The other concern is, so Evali, they believe is linked directly to the THC vaping. Um, and in that, what happens is uh, people get really ill. They may have shortness of breath. They might not be able to breathe at all. People have been put on machines to help them. There's been lung transplants followed by 20 different types of medications. Um, and it really, we don't know how it's going to affect each person. So there's been people that have vaped from the same vape with um, THC and one person develops Evali and the other person does not. It's interesting. It's interesting. Yeah. Um, I had a question. See, that's why I need paper. Um, cause well, it, if you've got one, go ahead. Cause I got to reform okay, it. If you need a second. I do. Um, <laughs> so is it, so you do more than just talk about apes, right? So what, what, else, what are other, like, I guess, what kind of work do you do? Do you meet with community members and you kind of educate them or is it, I don't, I don't yeah. know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I do a lot of different things, but on the, so on the coalition side, um, we picked vaping as our priority substance. We also had local prevention council funding to do a little bit of work with cannabis or marijuana. Um, in this, it's a lot of communicating. It's a lot of building relationships. So that's me making phone calls, sending emails, meeting people on the community, tabling at events, hosting events if possible, um, just a lot of community connection. And then on top of that, we kind of have within the coalition what we have decided to work on, which is our priority risk factors of um, low risk perception of low risk of harm with young people and then uh, school connectedness. Um, so those within that, we're working on some enforcement stuff, um, education within that, finding curriculum. And so the, it's, it's multifaceted, really. So the question that was in my mind, and I lost it when it was my turn to finally talk, <laughs> was, so secondhand smoke has, is definitely an issue from cigarettes. Is there any um, issue for bystanders when somebody's vaping? Yeah, so there is um, kind of a variety of research on that, but there is a such thing as secondhand smoke from vapes. Um, there isn't quite a like a clear picture of exactly how much that's affecting a person or what specific maybe chemicals or nicotine or whatever is in that vape um, is affecting a person, but there is secondhand smoke from it. So when people say, oh, I'm just vaping in somebody's house, I'm not smoking a cigarette, you are still, in fact, inf uh, affecting another person. Okay. And could it be that you just don't know yet? Because, I mean, once upon a time, you know, four score and yesteryear, people smoked and didn't realize mm -hmm. the harm Mm -hmm. um, so vaping is still somewhat new. So I imagine that if we were having this conversation, you know, 10 years from today, you'd probably have a very different, you know, outlook on what that secondhand vaping smoke does to someone. Yeah, absolutely. I expect that there's going to be a lot of research in this, but you're right. Um, vaping 
is such a new substance of focus. I mean, for so many years, coalitions did, um, you know, traditional tobacco or alcohol. That's the other really big one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So what what advice do you have for parents that might be listening? Um, are, are there certain signs that they might see um, in their children if they are vaping? And, and then my next question would be, and for, for teens or young adults that are listening, what advice do you have for them in terms of, you know, if you're, if you're smoking, stop, but if you're not, then don't start kind of advice. I mean, I know we spoke in the coalition that a lot of times it's, you know, it's, it's different when you're always hearing an adult hear it, but we watched a video where it was teens talking to teens and, and saying just what it had already done to them. And it was so pivotal. Um, yeah. Yeah. That was very moving. Um, so for parents, see the big things to look out for is if you are noticing scents in, in coming from your child's room or on them like cotton candy apple like all these kind of fruit chocolate fun what people consider fun um scents another one would be packages getting delivered so i like to talk about how while you're not supposed to be able to order these kind of devices online and get them sent without then getting it signed at the time at the house, it does happen. Packages get dropped off with vapes and vape products in it. And um, we all know, you know, if we give somebody a credit card to buy something, it can very easily be saved. So who knows then what's being bought on it um, mm-hmm. when, when your child is using your, your credit card. So I always encourage parents to have some type of rule about whatever packages come to the house, the parent gets to look at it first. Um There are some trainings like hidden in plain sight where you can learn more about how to search um, a child's bedroom, backpacks, et cetera, if you're looking for um, different devices, substances, et cetera. So um, I guess I, you know, I think it is important for parents to be aware and to be conscious of the the activities that their children are partaking in. Um, But then, and I don't know if this is going down kind of a separate road but how should parents address the issue i mean if i was a teen and somebody was going through all my stuff right how are you how can you handle it without crossing a boundary of of trying to have child privacy is that where you're heading well right like there's the like mutual respect so like Mm -hmm. okay you know um we're just going through your stuff and that kind of tells me that my parents don't trust me Mm -hmm. um there's the, okay, we find something, how do we respond? And I know parents respond in many different ways and not always the most appropriate way. Mm-hmm. So how, how do you go about that? That's yeah. a good question. That is a good question. It, so it's, it can be tricky. So what I tell parents traditionally is be open and honest, right? First of all, sit down and have honest conversations with your children And you can, there are ways you can have conversations at all different age levels. But um, I hear from a lot of parents, there's this concern, well, if I try to have an honest conversation, they're going to ask me if I've ever done anything. Um, And and what I say is, in the end, this is not about you. This is about them. And and don't don't let that fear kind of stop you from having the conversation. Um, I also suggest when having conversations to have them in a more casual manner, right? Don't make it so heavy. Bring it up casually. You're on a car ride um, on your way to get ice cream. 
hey, I just saw a news article the other day that a lot of kids are vaping. What do you know about this? Have those light conversations to kind of open the door. As far as like the privacy thing, I, I definitely get that. So I would say one, make sure you have clear defined rules within your household. So no surprises. No, I'm just going to start randomly checking your stuff and I don't care how you feel and I'm going to keep adding these things on and not give you a reason. People need honesty that, you know, that that goes in with that part there. So have those clear defined rules. Also, I wouldn't say something like checking the bedrooms is necessary to be doing all the time, right? It might be they're out for the day. You just do a quick sweep within the house and then... You know, and then if you are finding things, that is a whole nother discussion to have. And I understand where where that can affect um, kind of the young person's idea of having privacy. But if you have those clear defined rules in your household, there are not to be any substance, substances, any vapes, then that kind of lays the groundwork right there. So I guess um, let's say I'm a teen and I've been vaping behind my parents back. They don't know. And um, has nicotine. So nicotine, you know, is addictive. And so I've kind of just become very habitual. Um, and then my parent just finds it. Like, do you just cut your child off? Do you, I mean, you don't want to condone something, but then it's like, well, that's part of like what, as I'm being educated through the coalition, that was one of the things that they were saying is that when you're over 18, you know, obviously, anytime you're weaning yourself off of, you know, nicotine um, or any substance, depending on how bad your use is, you're going to have withdrawal. And sometimes there's medicine that can be taken. But when you're under 18, there's not necessarily necessarily medicine that they can give a young kid. And that's what's so scary is having to deal with those withdrawal symptoms, right? So because it's very real. So what I will say is um, I definitely... Um, what I try to urge is try to think not as emotionally when you go to have that conversation, right, with your young person. Obviously, that can be really upsetting and stressful, but try to contain the emotion to have that conversation. As far as helping them, I'm big on harm reduction, right? We're not saying it's, wow, you're vaping and you're addicted, cut it out right now. How can we help you? We want to find the support. How can we get there? How can we cut down? How can we help with the withdrawal? And with young people under 18, yes, typically. So um, most, like, let's say um, providers that deal with addiction might not be able to give a medication to a person under 18. But I always say, go to your pediatrician, bring your child to their pediatrician. Some pediatricians will provide medication or some type of um, replacement therapy to help with the withdrawal symptoms. But also there's a lot of uh, research that shows that just doing the counseling part in itself can be effective. So having those combined is beneficial. Start with the pediatrician. Look into um, groups for your children, like cessation groups, which I am actually working on trying to get moving. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, because it's like, why? Why is it that people start smoking, right? Like, mm -hmm. and I guess is it. There, there's a reason for it, like either right. whether it's peer pressure or, okay, you, you try in, peer pressure and, right. well, you try it because of peer pressure and then, you know, you start doing it a little more casually with your friends after school and then you're, after a while, just kind of, it's part of your routine. You become addicted. 
Well, yeah, you get yeah. addicted and you also like have that routine. It's like the same thing with like alcohol, right? Like if you have a drink here or there on the weekend, but then, you know, you start like, oh, well, I had a long day at work. I'm just going to have a glass. And then that becomes part of your routine. It's easy for these things to kind of really get out of hand. So is it, and then you mentioned harm reduction. So is it like finding, or even like the, um, did you say sensory work? Was it like a sensory? Cessation. Sensation. Cessation. Cessation. You got it. Yeah, it's like quitting. It's help quitting. Okay. Because it's like sometimes you just kind of get used to the the act of doing. Right? And you're 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 right on that. And that's actually part of counseling um, within cessation addresses that. Um, I talk to people a lot about um, people say I just miss like bringing the cigarette up to my mouth or the or the inhalation of a vape. All right, let's see what we can do to replace that. Um, some techniques are some people use straws. Some people have candies on them in their car, backpack, whatever it is. Um, there's different techniques because you're right. Part of it is the addictive piece, and the other part is um, breaking what we've kind of gone into routine and things like the oral element or using our hands in that. So finding ways to kind of um, mitigate that. And I just want to go to one more point you had you had said. I also get asked all the time, why do kids vape? Big question. And I want to just point out some of the really big reasons. Um, and one is the flavors. Um, it's very appealing. Some states have flavor bans. Others do not. Connecticut curling does not have a flavor ban. Um, the other one is peer pressure, um, wanting to fit in. But another big one people don't talk about is family influence. Um, so if youth are in a household with people that are smoking and vaping, they're at a much greater risk of doing that same same behavior. And so then how can a parent even address that? Because they might not necessarily might not. realize the harm that is caused by it themselves. Yeah. So I am doing parent and caregiver presentations. My hope in that is that parents and caregivers, regardless of if they are using substances themselves or not, at least come to get educated on that piece. Another thing is it's never too late to quit or to start with reduction, right? And so I always encourage um, adults that are, are having their own use and they're, they're concerned about their children using is, first of all, being honest. If, if that's something you want to fix and, and you know you're having a hard time, Letting your child know that this is not something I want you to do. It's not something I want to do, mm-hmm. and I'm working on it. Um, there's, you know, cessation groups for adults. There's medication-assisted treatment for adults. There's free quit lines. There's text lines. There's apps. So I just really recommend trying to reach out for your own support. And remember, um, even just reduction is a start to kind of ending this behavior that you no longer want to be doing. How does someone find out where you're holding these presentations that you're offering? Yeah, so um, on our United Services website, we will have them posted. They're not up quite yet. I will also be sending this out via my coalition members um, and asking them to disperse this out into the community. Um, And basically any way I can get out, I will probably stop by different um, community organizations and let them know as well. They'll be posted inside United Services, and then our Youth Service Bureau also does work getting the word out. Um, are there are there resources that are more um, national if people can't seem 
like can't make it to you. Um, so uh, ideally you would be talking with somebody and working with somebody to kind of to, to curb the habit. Um, but uh, is there a place where people can go that's a reliable resource um, to get more information on substances that are harmful, what they're doing? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I encourage people to visit um, Connecticut's DEMIS website, Department of Mental Health and Addiction Services. They also are associated with a quit line. So if you just do a quick Google search, DEMIS Connecticut quit line, um, those will pop up. I also have like a list of um, a variety of resources that I can make available to people. And then SAMHSA um, is like the national kind of one. But I, I say um, starting with DEMIS for Connecticut based and those services are free. You can call us quit line, talk with people, and sometimes they can even get you connected for adults at least to um, nicotine replacement therapy for free for a, a short period of time. That's really good to know. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I'm curious if we kind of segue into what you do on the community wellness part of your job. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, let's see. What do I do in that? I do a lot. A lot and of. Did, and how did you get there? Tell us. We, we kind of came this totally different yes. than how we normally do. But how did you get to where you are today? Tell yeah. us a little bit about your journey. Yeah. So I um I started by getting my master's in social work with a concentration on community organizing. And when I left grad school, it was um I went to grad school. I had a, a little time apart between undergrad and grad. And then I graduated grad school with the pandemic happening, and I was out of a job for over a year. No. And I was thinking, do I want to do clinical work or do I want to do organizing work within social work? Um, I found my way to United Services and jumped on as a full-time clinician in the adult outpatient services. So I was doing that 40 hours a week, loved it. Um, but I, I felt, oh, I, I still feel like I'm missing kind of this more community-based work. What can I do for that? And it just so happened a position opened up for the community and worksite wellness program manager. And that was a way for me to start this coalition work, but also do employee assistance program work, which means I'm seeing adults who come to United Services using their free sessions through their employer. They might get like a few free sessions to do my clinical side of my work. And then I also try to host some events at United Services um, that have to do with wellness. Um, I'm working on some wellness onboarding for new people that join. Um, I've done a little work with prevention of sexual harassment trainings and Narcan trainings. So I'm just con kind of continuing to develop as I move along. Are you finding that um, there's just too much, like, overwhelmed with all the, the need? <laughs> I will say, you know, there's some days I'm like, yeah, I'm answering like 10 emails and then I'm like, oh, I, was, I see a client in 10 minutes and then I have this other thing. But at the end of the day, I actually really enjoy that I have it's so multifaceted because I feel like it never gets boring. Mm -hmm. Like I get to see clients and do that clinical work that I really love. But then I'm like, oh, after this, I get to go to a meeting out in the community and table at an event and listen to some good music and meet new people. So at times, yeah, it is overwhelming. Um but I try to think of it as what is like one small change that I can put into place that's going to affect somebody positively because I know at the end of the day, I can't make it all uh, be fantastic for everyone. True. And it is just small changes that make a big difference. Yeah. 
What, what kind of hours are you putting in for your position? Yeah, so um, this is a 40-hour-a-week job. Um, I'm usually there a regular Monday through Friday kind of thing, but obviously um, trainings are held at different times. I have 